future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. July 21st, 2023. Welcome to Raging Chicken's Friday Politics Roundup. This is Kev Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. Each week I break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. You can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress for all the details. And you can help out the show by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, Hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. And if you're one of our awesome podcast listeners, make sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on and leave a comment to let other folks know why you like the show. Little things like this help other people find the show. And we cannot let Paul Martino, Moms for Liberty, and their oligarch friends buy our schools and push extremist politics in our community. Raging Chicken has teamed up with Levelfield to launch a truly rooted community pack invest in organizing, supporting local and statewide progressive candidates, and unmasking the toxic organizations injecting our communities with right-wing extremism. We're putting small-dollar donations to work to beat back the power of big money. You get more information and drop your donation at ragingchicken.levelfield.net. Well, on this week's show, let's see if I can fix this. Well, I'll get that in a second. This week's show, uh, SAG-AFTRA, the Writers Guild of America, and the Alliance Motion Pictures Television Producers, or AMPTP, they continue their strikes as Hollywood and streaming service face a reckoning. And this is an amazing strike that is just incredible. And Representative Scott Fitzgerald of Wisconsin just introduced new legislation to attack the National Education Association's charter in order to gut teacher union power. Um, this is uh, this is making it onto the show today. Thanks indeed to Amy, um, Amy, uh, and, and we got another one for you, Amy, too. Uh, thanks to the tips that you're giving us. And Chad Connolly, a Christian nationalist operative and former faith outreach director for the Republican National Committee, he runs his voter mobilization organization called Faith Wins. Well. Turns out, Connolly has organized dozens of secret meetings between top Republican candidates and right-wing pastors, giving pastors the opportunity to grill candidates on political issues and pray over them. Gotta love that. We saw last week, beginning of the week, a train derailed in White Marsh Township in Montgomery County. And, well, people got lucky. We all got lucky. Turns out most of the cars were carrying liquefied petroleum gas, or LPG, and toxic chemicals, chemicals that apparently mostly are used in dry cleaning and so on. That could very much have been another bomb train, and this is now raising, once again, questions about rail safety in the country. And down the street. And are you ready for the announcement? This is another one the hat tip to Amy goes to this one. Are you ready for the launch of a national nationwide uh, effort to destroy teachers' unions? <laughs> well, let me introduce you to the first annual Teachers' Freedom Summit. Yep, it's what all the right-wing education privateers and religious zealots have been drooling over. Here you go. I just want to say, this is like one of these, like, remember this moments? You remember when I was saying it, we're going to see this, right? The next move after what we saw in the Bucks County, after 
Paul Martino was up there warning them that, you know, basically about the teachers unions, um, that, that about contracts, upcoming contracts, that, that this is going to be the next attack. We get all the culture war stuff, and now we're going to get the attacks on the unions. It's crazy. Uh, I should also say the Penridge teachers, the Penridge teachers, uh, for, well, I should talk about that. The Penridge teachers, uh, teachers union, are, they're also without a contract. And um, things are kind of heating up there. Um, especially with you've got um, administrators leaving, you've got like uh, unprecedented numbers of teachers leaving, um, you've got you know 30 percent uh, teachers are paid 30 percent below uh, you know, uh, teachers in the surrounding districts. All that is kind of like, and you put that into the you know the context of the crazy that's been going on here with the Red Wizards of Thay taking over our teachers, you know our our board board of education. Um, there's made to you know not board of education, our school district. Um, we've got some crazy stuff going on. We'll maybe talk about that a little bit, too. Well, listen, for more PA Progressive Talk, tune into the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, check, check out his YouTube channel, Twitter, and Facebook. And you got to you know, basically just head on over to ricksmithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. And you also got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast, the amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast. Rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. Hey. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter, and subscribe to their podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't heard, the Signal is a new podcast by the Bucks County Beacon. The Signal is hosted by the Beacon's editor in chief, Cyril Michalaco, and produced by Yours Truly. Twice a month, the Signal will shine a light on right-wing extremist currents streaming through Bucks County and beyond. Cyril invites guests who can provide insight, analysis, and organizing solutions so that we can steer the community toward calmer, saner, progressive roots. Check out the podcast at thebuckscountybeacon.podbean.com or pick it up wherever you get your podcast. And for all you gamers out there, The Game In, that's with two N's, The Game In is a Quakertown-based, black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show, and they've got everything from Retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, walls of Funko Pops, and kids get discounts so they get A's during the school year. Fantastic. I know it's the summertime now, but something to look forward to in the fall. Check them out on their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at TheGameIn. That's with two N's. Got a question about a game, looking for something hard to get? Shoot them a message or drop them an email at TheGameInPA at gmail.com. Shout out goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at SongOfDayMan. That's at SongOfDayMan on Twitter. And this coming Monday on Out to Coop Live, I'm totally stoked for this one. Monday, uh, July 24th at 7 p.m., I welcome Alexandra Bradbury to the show. Al is the editor of Labor Notes, and we'll be talking about her new piece, UPS Teamsters Just Practicing, Yeah, written with uh, Luis Feliz Leon. Um, and that is about the possibility of the UPS strike and the decades-long work of rebuilding the Teamsters and meaning the meaning for the labor movement and working people more broadly. It's a great piece. gets into some of the history that has led up to this. Um, so, again, getting us away from the idea that strikes just kind of happened randomly, right? No, this gets into some of the organizing background and so on. And, of course, the folks at Labor Notes are freaking awesome. They're always awesome. Well, Al Bradbury joined the staff of Labor Notes back in 2012 after working with hospital workers as a researcher and organizer for the Service Employees Local 49 in Oregon. 
Uh, she edits labor notes. She covers postal workers and teamsters. And she's also occasional singer-songwriter. How about that? Maybe we'll have to throw out that on Monday, too, as well. Um, and she's based out of Seattle. Um, she's fantastic. I had the uh, uh, opportunity to go to one of the trainings that she ran when she was here in Philadelphia. Um, I've written a piece for Labor Notes in the past and stuff. Um, and I cannot wait to dig into what's going on with this. Um, the, the potential of a Teamster strike against UPS It's going to be something. And look, if we want a progressive future, we need progressive media. Support Pull No Punch Homegrown Progressive Media today. Become a patron of Raging Chicken for as little as five bucks a month. Simply go to patreon.com slash rcpress. We're here for the fight, and we need you. Become a patron for the price of a good beer once a month. Help keep the media in the movement and the movement in the media. Become a patron for as little as five bucks a month by going to patreon.com slash rcpress today. Well, uh, thank you all um, for... Uh, <laughs> for tuning in today let me just give you a little bit i i have no right now i have little to no understanding of how uh, i am sounding to people right now i'm going to try to turn up this export volume a little bit um i'm super sorry about this i literally i woke up this morning uh had my breakfast you know did all the things you do in the morning um got ready to come down here and my my whole uh mixer and soundboard is fried um oh great thank you amy um but my whole mixer and, and stuff is fried um so instead of just prepping for the show this morning which was my intention i actually had to do a little bit of a work work around had to pull out an old mic to make sure this still works and um tweak the setups in my broadcast software and obs a bit as it get to come out and what threw me right when we started the show, I mean, for those of you who are listening on the podcast, you won't kind of get some of this, um, but um, you, you won't hear it because I'm going to cut this out for the for the podcast version. For those folks who were here on YouTube, um, you saw me kind of staring off in the distance for a while. And from what I understand, uh, the music was playing, um, but I actually had it set up. I tested it before we went live and... Uh, had the music going and uh when i went to go live and put it on i couldn't hear the music so i was watching my levels and turns out the music was was playing um and amy thank you for for confirming that and uh but it was just it just weird uh, and then you start to realize you know you do this long enough and when you know, there's certain kind of music cues and things where you kind of start talking and, you know, gives you helps build a rhythm for the beginning of the show. And I couldn't hear anything. So I said, OK, we're just going to shut the music off and then I'm just going to start um, cold with no music. So uh, that's, you know, the weirdness of the beginning of the show. Uh, have no idea what happened. It's a it's a new mixer. It's just, uh, it's called, you know, a Roadcaster Pro. It's a phenomenal piece of like I've loved it. It just completely just won't turn on today I have no idea why um so here you go thank you ross uh welcome here uh ross says right off the bat the far right moms for liberty penridge five have blocked any information about the teacher's contract from other from the other four who want to cooperate megan bannis clemens is horrible yeah this is kind of you know one of the things we're, we're seeing there is like you know you've got not only do you have a split on the board right but the five people right you know the extremists on the board these kind of you know, Moms for Liberty 5, right? Uh, well, I should say the Moms for Liberty 3 and their lapdogs, these two guys who basically don't say anything, just do whatever bidding um, that they're asked of them. They're little minions, I guess. 
Um, but they will not share information about teachers' contract negotiations to other members of the board. Um, it's just pretty crazy. So lots of stuff going on. Um, so while I'm glad to hear I'm coming through, I'm glad to hear that folks are listening today. Um, it's a little bit weird right now. I still got my, my headphones on because I'm hoping that some of this stuff is going to get sorted out. But usually I'm able to monitor my sound levels too, and I can't do that this morning too as well. So who knows? Um, here we go. Well, this week we saw what's happened with the uh, the SAG AFTRA, uh, SAG AFTRA. Like last week, of course, SAG AFTRA, um, um, the Actors Guild, right? And they, they joined the Writers Guild of America and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, the AMPTP, uh, with the Hollywood strikes. Um, and we saw a uh, you know just a crazy. It's just been a, it's been a it's been a, a crazy kind of week turning back. I wanted to play you. This is the other thing I wanted to play you sound today because there was this uh, phenomenal. Uh, there's been great sound coming out from some of the strikers, um, just talking about what uh, the producers have been saying, uh, what the other side has been saying. I mean, one guy basically, uh, you, you know, gave, a, I, I guess, representative of the, uh, the the producers of the studios and that kind of stuff. They, you know, basically told uh, someone in the media, basically, yeah, we're just going to wait them out um, until like October or so like that, until they get, they're evicted from their apartments and they lose their homes because they can't pay their mortgages. Like, seriously, that's what they're talking about here. Right. And so many. And what what what's what's crazy about it is is some of the big issues at stake here. Right. Um, have to do with, you know, this, you know, this kind of A.I. craze that everybody is on. Right. Now, that's not entirely what's going on. Um, but, you know, this is, um, uh, you know, it's crazy. So let me just give you some some of the issues that are at stake, right? Um, so uh, this is from this is a great kind of overall of it. So I'm just going to read a little bit of it. This is from uh, Justin Charity um, from The Ringer. So last week, the National Board of SAG-AFTRA, a labor union representing about 160 scre screen actors in Hollywood, went on strike against the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers (AMPT) uh, on the. Um, on the picket line, SAG-AFTRA now joins WGA, which represents more than 20,000 20, writers in Hollywood and has been on strike since May 2nd. This, on both fronts, is a dispute largely concerned with the industry-wide upheavals in staffing, workflow, and compensation as everything shifts from broadcast syndication to web streaming. Um, but, the, uh, but the negotiations are also concerned in a very timely and peculiar twist in contractor ways with artificial intelligence. In May, the WGA released its stance on AI and scripts and, quote, AI can't write or rewrite literary material, can't be used as source material and MBA-covered material, as in works produced uh, under the collective bargaining agreements that build unions in the studios. They can't be used to train AI, right? It kind of goes on for this. Um, SAG-AFTRA found itself in similar position with the WGA. Um, you know, basically the producers are saying that this groundbreaking AI proposal that they're putting forward uh, would require actors to consent to create AI replicas um, um, for a guaranteed minimum payment. The union, though, characterized the payment as a one-time transaction that grants studios access for the rest of eternity. The second version of the story uh, rather unflatteringly evokes a, a recent episode of Black Mirror, right? So it goes on. But so so basically, right, the idea there, there several things have been going on here. Right. Um, and why this is so important is not so much just because it's Hollywood or it's entertainment. It's like, let's remember it's like I, I, I want to say it was like um, 
just to give you an idea, most of the actors that are represented represented by SAG-AFTRA, right, um, and the writers that are represented uh, uh, by the WGA, right, most of these folks um, are not the big Hollywood stars, right? Yes, the big Hollywood stars, you know, people like George Clooney, you know, like, you know, uh, I don't know why he's, he, I just was reading a thing that he said this morning, that's why he's coming to mind. But, you know, these, these big stars are kind of, um, are members of the union and are supporting of the strike, as we've been seeing. is like, you know, you've seen floods of kind of like big time actors being show, showing up on the picket lines and supporting of the strike, right? But the vast majority of people, right, that are members of the union, right, are, are barely scraping by. As a matter of fact, I forget the percentage of this, but there's like a significant percentage of the, of the union does not get enough work to qualify for health insurance, right? I mean, these are people that are, you know, members of the union, but are scraping by, right? The big issue, of course, you know, that's been slowly eating away um, at the industry has been the ways that the things, the ways that compensation happens, right? You know, you've probably already heard, if you're listening to this program, you've probably already heard a little bit about this stuff about residuals, right? That's the idea you get paid for like reruns of your show or how many times a show is, 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 uh, is out there or is picked up, right? And that's one of the things that, you know, actors would count on in between like gigs, right? Because, you know, you're not working all the time as an actor, especially if you're kind of like the, the, the regular everyday actor and not just kind of the big Hollywood star, right? But you would, that would be one way you get paid. Well, that's been kind of changed by the streaming services, right? The streaming services, Netflix, HBO, Amazon, so on. They flipped that all around and basically said, no, we're going to give you a higher upfront payment, one-time payment, but then we're going to get rid of all the rest of the payments, right? So, okay, now imagine this. Just imagine this. Imagine you're, you're an actor, right? You're kind of like a, you know, you're a relatively unknown actor, Um and you'd agree to sign up to be a part of this, you know, streaming series that's going to, I don't know, stream on Amazon or HBO, whatever it might be. Right. And uh, it's kind of a little quirky show. And it's uh, uh, the, the writers for it are kind of not, it's not being produced by any big names, stuff like this, but whatever. And then let's just say it takes off. Right. This, this show takes off. Well, you've already been paid. <laughs> right. So you get no benefit of like the show just going nuts. As a matter of fact, maybe you got paid less than you should have gotten paid because, you know, that you didn't think it was going to be a big show. Right. And then let's say that this is so popular, then it picks up. It becomes this kind of like instant cult classic. Right. That gets kind of like played and replayed and replayed and then gets syndicated elsewhere. Or they get, You don't get nothing from all that stuff. Right. So there's been a steady kind of erosion of the quality of life and the working conditions of actors. We've seen this everywhere from uh, voice actors. Right. We've had people on the show talking about the voice actors, um, the, the issues of the voice actors um, and that um, that aspect of the strike, um, as well as everyday actors, as kind of secondary actors or background actors, um, the people who work on the sets, people who build the sets, people who run the, you know, the camera, all that kind of stuff. So it's impacting everybody, and it's been this slow chipping away at um, what goes on. There's also, you know, what's emerged on this is that we see there's a real disparities in kind of in payment based upon where you live. So that's a secondary issue. But the crazy thing that started coming up is part of their, their proposals, right, about, you know, the, the producers, 
right? The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, right? You know, the managers, basically. The way that um, what they they want, this is according to the union, according to reports in the media, is they basically want to give you like a one-time payment. Like say, for example, you're what the, like a background actor. So, so you know, so say you're, you're not like a main star in the show. Like you might not even, ha- you might have just a couple lines or something like this um, in it, or maybe if you're just behind. But so imagine you got it like an office situation, right? So one of these kind of classic, I don't know, like say like a newspaper show, right? Some kind of about, you know, or a journalism, you know, something that happened to journalism, but they're at the office, right? And there's the two main characters that are there. And there's say there's like a male person. Right. And that person is coming in and kind of bringing the mail to um, to everyone else and maybe drops a package. And say, oh, I'm sorry. Or something like that. Right. So just something they're there. They're not really they're not kind of a main part of the scene, but absolutely part of the production. Right. So that kind of person. And that's, a, you know, again, it's work. Right. That's what a lot of actors end up doing. And a lot of times that's the way they end up getting, you know, coming, you know, getting into um, kind of some more steady work. Well, anyways, they what the studios want to do, right? What the producers want to do is they basically want to say, okay, we're going to give you a one-time payment, right, to come on and be that male person and drop that package, but we're going to scan your image in, right, and we're going to have rights to that image to use in any way that we want in the future, right? And you're like, what? And so imagine this now. You have uh, you have that same kind of like show that I'm talking about that I'm making up, and then you have multiple people. They're all signing these contracts. They're all kind of getting their images scanned in here. Then guess what? The next time you're out, all you need is a green screen. I can you can use AI to generate those images and do whatever the heck you want. And now you no longer have to pay actors, and all those actors are now out of work. Right? It's really messed up. It's super messed up. Right? So what, why this matters to the rest of us in many ways, right, is, you know, yes, I mean, obviously, oh, you know, some of our shows are not going to be there. We want to blah, 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 right? Okay, yes, that's all true, right? However, right, um, this is also what's been happening to all work, right? And the, the, this strike, right, the SAG after a WGA strike, this strike is so critical, right? Because it is going to help determine how AI is deployed in term, like in the workplace. Because look at, I, I look at AI like this, like, okay, as a, just, you know, a, like a consumer of stuff, I think, you know, it's pretty freaking cool, right? It's kind of fun. It's like, I actually, I've said this on the show before, is I've messed around with some AI stuff, like with the chat GPT and then um, Google's version of this, right? And I'll say like, okay, generate a Dungeons & Dragons character um, based upon this person, right? And I'll get either like a celebrity. I did one actually for the Chancellor of the State System of Higher Education, right? So I said, okay, you know, uh, generate a character. And it will sit there literally in seconds start to generate the character and i'll say okay put it in the kind of uh the official format of a character sheet and it'll start doing that right and then if i want to tweak it a little bit i say okay um add a a, like a dark secret to their backstory right and it'll go and it'll do that (laughs) right 
or another time I just said for the for kicks I said okay uh, generate um, a setting of a small seaside town that um, uh, has uh, where people have start going um, um, gone gone missing right generate that town and it'll kind of like describe this town and stuff right now again that's amazing right as a way of playing around with that and all this kind of stuff there's also you know some really interesting stuff um academics or teachers have been looking at it as as you know obviously people are worried about plagiarism but the, the bigger issue is like well how could this be a generative thing right so there's all these kind of possible uses with this ai stuff that is kind of really interesting at the at the hands-on level however once you start zooming out there's lots and lots of problems happen right like the the companies right are looking at so much money is going into this thing not to kind of just like to make the world a better place but a ways of driving driving down labor costs putting people out of work and replay and automating kind of like knowledge work creative work right if you spend any time on instagram you can see all the art these kind of like kind of like art being posted that is ai generated art Right. We think about what that means for a working artist, right, who works in traditional media, like what that does. Right. So what SAG-AFTRA is doing in this strike, especially when it comes to the AI stuff. Right. But it also when it comes to our, you know, our gig economy is basically saying, OK, though, no, enough already. We're putting a, we're putting a, a wrench in the gears when it comes to the gig economy. It's gone too far. We can't take it anymore. We can't survive on this stuff. This is no life, and we want to live a decent life, right? And everybody should live a decent life. That's why we're going to fight this. And while we're at it, you got this new AI thing here, which you're going to look out to ramp up that gig economy, extract more profit, put more people out of work, right? We're going to use this as an opportunity to, to like, stop it and rationalize the discussion of how AI is deployed in the workplace, now, again, obviously, most of us are not covered by a SAG-AFTRA or WGA contract, right? But they set the tone. We can learn from them. Now they're going to generate language and discussions and terms and all this that we can all use in our own fight back. So, th- I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Uh, Ross, Ross just say it, uh, it broke yesterday that Jordan Adams met with Penridge curriculum supervisors working on developing social studies curriculum. Megan Bannis Clemens and Jordan Blomgren were in attendance. Joan Cullen, Ron Wirtz, Jonathan Russell, and Christine Batiki uh, were never given notice about this meeting. And Megan Bannis Clemens is also sitting in on the principal and vice principal interviews. Uh, well, Ross, I'll tell you this too as well. So I also have heard that there's, um, that uh, Megan uh, uh, Megan Bannis Clemens has been sitting in, uh, and sometimes Jordan Blomgren, I'm sitting on interviews even with teachers. So there you go. If anybody, if anybody thinks that, uh, I, you know, again, I said I talked about this on the show on Monday. All right. If anybody thinks that, um, and last Friday, if anybody thinks that um, this uh, board, the Penridge School Board, is not going to leave their mark and try to execute as much of the uh, Jordan Adams playbook as possible. You're crazy. And one of them is basically 
make people's I'm paraphrasing here, but make like teachers and administrators lives miserable. Those ones who uh, want to push back, make it miserable and ideally to force them out and to get your people on the hiring committee um, so that you get um, kind of non-resistant people or people who are on board with your program hired. That's exactly what they're going to do. I mean, that's I mean, I, that is here. I mean, this is is more evidence that this is true. But here you go. Uh, I'm going to move some of these things around a little bit here. <clears throat> um, this I just thought, you know, I mean, again, we're starting to get close to the um, the 2024 uh, presidential election. Right. Um, and so we're going to start to see a lot more stuff like this. So we're trying to keep an eye on uh, some of the things that are influencing, will be influencing our kind of upcoming elections. And. Uh, this is thanks to the folks at Right Wing Watch. Um, this is Christian nationalist pro political operative Chad Connolly is organizing secret meetings between GOP presidential candidates and right wing pastors. Right. So I'll be re read you just a little bit of this. so You kind of get a sense of who these people are. And I this is kind of like one of these public service announcements things It's like, OK, here's another name that we need to kind of like put on our little big board of uh, things that we need to be watching out for. Right. And to recognize them when they happen. So Chad Connolly is a former faith outreach director for the Republican National Committee. He now runs a Christian nationalist voter mobilization organization called Faith Wins. For the past few election cycles, Connolly and his organization have been taking religious right pseudo historian David Barton across the nation, delivering presentations in churches aimed at mobilizing conservative Christians to vote and get involved in politics. Right, so this immediately makes me want to find out more about this David Barton and what those talks are about. I'm sure people have been writing about it and I haven't seen yet. So last week, uh, Connolly, oops, last week, Connolly appeared on fellow Christian nationalist Jason Rappert's program, where he reported that his Faith Wins organization has organized dozens of secret meetings between top Republican presidential candidates and right wing pastors giving pastors the opportunity to grill candidates on political issues and pray over them. Quote, one thing we're doing at Faith Wins is we're inviting multiple presidential candidates to meet with our pastors, unquote, Connolly said. Quote, we've done some 30 meetings with pastors on our team in Iowa, Nevada, New Hampshire, and South Carolina with, so far, I think, seven different candidates, unquote. Connolly said that when he organizes these meetings, he tells the campaigns that, quote, we believe you ought to address the issues right-wing pastors care about, we believe you ought to have clarity when you address them. And by the way, your staff needs to hear it too, unquote. Quote, we sponsored the meetings, we invite the candidates, we tell them it's private. I handpick who comes, Connolly reveal. We say, no media, we're going to ask you questions, we're going to pray over you, and nothing is off limits. I know that my team has done that with everybody that's on the top tier, and we're reaching out to other candidates, and they're coming through those early primary states. We're making those meetings happen. And during that same interview, Connolly ranted, uh, ranted about LGBTQ Pride Month, declaring that, quote, it's an affront, it's insulting, it's revolting, it's disgusting, it's vile, it's absolutely out of the pit of hell, unquote. I quote, I guess I'm glad I'm not God because I'd be pulling my bag, I'm pulling out my bag full of lightning and thunder, he said. Right. So that just gives you an idea. So you've got this this faith wins guy, right, is um, working behind the scenes now. You've noticed, right, and I've talked to some of you kind of individually about this too, kind of off air, where we've been, we've shifted over the past couple of years, right? We've been digging in deeper on this Christian nationalist stuff, 
on the Moms for Liberty stuff, on what's happening in our school boards, in part because we think, it's an, I guess that's an imperial we here, right? I think <laughs> this is a critical, critical moment in our politics. And these Christian nationalists are really, uh, you know, they are, they have more influence than any of us would like to, would like to expect. Right. This is why we see reporting on Christian nationalism in the Bucks County Beacon. This is why there's more and more attention. Like this is why, for example, you know, I'm telling you is that um, Catherine Joyce was on this show um, a little over a month ago, um, and I got a couple months ago now, maybe, um, and talking about Moms for Liberty. But you know, she was writing about this stuff. You know, I think it was like 2006, 2008, something like this. Uh, she had a book out that was called Quiverful, right? She was reporting on and kind of doing this kind of like deep reporting on this, the rising of these kind of religious um, movements, right? And they have a disproportionate impact. Why do they have a disproportionate impact? It's not just because it's in the air. It's because of people like this, this Chad Connolly stuff. This is a well-funded operation, right? My next question, again, about, about that historian, about Dave Barton. Uh, David Barton, who's been going on these tours, is also who's funding this organization, because most of these fundings, uh, most of these 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 movements, right, that happen behind the scenes in private in churches and things like this, they are well-funded operations, right. So we don't get to see them in the the general public because they're happening outside of our view, and because of the way that media has been segmented. Right. The fact that, you know, these folks can have their own media circuit. Right. And there's a lot of viewers that are watching it that are in that circuit and they hear nothing but they change channels. They go to different sites, but they're all within that media universe. It's like the Marvel, you, you know, <laughs> it's like the Marvel universe, except for right wing media. Right. If you're once you're inside of it, that everything is kind of self-referential. And that's that's by design. Right. I mean, you go back to the Powell memo right from back in the 1970s. That was kind of what the part of the agenda was. You know, we've talked about it in this program and we've seen uh, Jenny Cohen doing great reporting on this about this, you know, the seven mountain dominionism stuff. Right. We need to go after the seven mountains. And one of those mountains is education. And then there's the media and then there's government. And there's, you know, that's all their agenda. And again, it doesn't matter. Right. What's truly let, let's put it this way. We could call them hypocrites. We could call them, you know, this is not what, what Christians do, whatever. It ultimately doesn't matter. These people are about power, and that's what they care about, right? It doesn't even matter if we believe or we know whether or not these people believe everything that come out of their mouths. What we do know is there are people that are motivated by them. And they have taken up action on this, right? That's what matters. So we track this stuff not because, you know, we believe there's all this ideological purity out there. and No, no, no. It's because this is, this is where, this is the stuff that has been grabbing onto people's fears, right? People's kind of like deep-seated racism and, and fear and insecurities and turning it in a direction that is dangerous for democracy. It's dangerous for the majority of people in this country. It literally is the slow moving playbook of fascism and demagoguery. 
And I'm sure there were people like in 1920s and so like this were saying that there anybody who was pointing out this stuff at the time, looking at them, say you're being, oh yeah, it's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. Not in Germany. <clears throat> Weimar Republic, right? So that's why we pay attention. Because the idea is that you never want to get to that point where it's all for real. So that's something to watch out about. Um, two more things, or one more thing here, and then I want to kind of do a couple uh, things that are, are, are connected. So we saw, you know, the folks down in Montgomery County, uh, you know, we saw that there was a train that just derailed in White Marsh Township, right? And they think, uh, at least the last, excuse me, the last reporting that I saw, there was, uh, they think there, there may have been a sinkhole, right? Um, that, you know, was because of all the rain coming through, right? Again, sinkholes are going to be more prominent, um, and that's going to have impacts on our infrastructure, right? Um, ask anybody who lives in Harrisburg um, what the impact of weather has been on their sinkhole stuff, seriously. Um, but this was a CSX uh, train. Um, that uh, kind of derailed, and it, it was it was it was a pretty bad derailment. Um, although there was no explosions or fires, thank God. Uh, and initially, they noticed that there was this um, these white kind of silicone pellets that were spilled around there, and people didn't know what they were initially, but there were these white silicone um, pellets that were non hazardous. Well, since then, reporting has come out now about what was in that train, what could have happened. Right. And so <clears throat> so here's an example. So this is from uh, WHYY and transportation experts and environmental advocates are calling for increased rail safety following Monday's trail derailment in White Marsh Township, Montgomery County. The CSX train traveling on Norfolk Southern tracks carried flammable liquid petroleum gas or LPG, as well as toxic chemical commonly used as a dry cleaning agent. While no leaks of hazardous materials occurred, as far as we know, some are calling the accident a wake-up call. Quote, any kind of derailment like this uh, where there's disaster potential chemicals like LPG should be taken as a warning sign that, that things need to get better, unquote, said Fred Miller, an independent rare consultant with an expertise on hazardous materials. Right? <clears throat> this, it's a good article because it gets into what's been blocking up the rail safety stuff. But this is why we need, yes, rail safety, but infrastructure right across the board, right? This is why, you know, if you looked at the the original Build Back Better plan for the uh, under Joe Biden, right? Um, Joe Biden had to, um, Joe Biden's initial plan would have taken care of a lot of this stuff. But, of course, Republicans fought him. And you had Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema who refused to actually pass uh, what we needed. And as a result, here you go. This is where we end up, right? Um, infrastructure further deteriorating, more trains thing. And plus what we saw with the railway strike or the, uh, the, the, the almost railway strike, well, the main, one of the main issues there, right, was the fact that they're going with fewer and fewer personnel and longer and longer trains. Why? so that these international kind of holding companies who've bought up the railroads, who could give a crap about rail, don't know anything about railways, just want to kind of like link more cars on each train, not pay any of the infrastructure inkeep, uh, upkeep of the tracks and everything like this as a way of extracting more profit from that company before they ditch it and, uh, and take their money and leave. 
That's been like, you know, the story of the past four decades, right? Take the money and run. So, again, something to watch out for. And frankly, there's been people down there in uh, White Marsh Township in Montgomery County, uh, right next to that rail line, who have been warning about this kind of stuff for decades. Activists who have been actively pushing against this. Right. It's, been, it's the same folks that have been pointing out that they don't want the pipelines uh, running through those communities. Right. Oh, they don't want the pipelines at all. <laughs> right. But cannot run through those communities for its potential hazards. Same issue. Right. So um, before we talk a little bit about um, uh, a little bit more about Penridge, um, just some of the stuff that's that's going on there maybe some things that you might be able to do um i can i'll let you kind of put out a, a kind of suggestion for some things that people might want to do um when it comes to this because i think we're at the point where the public needs to really um uh join in with the teachers and uh, uh and say that look we're behind them right um <clears throat> at this point you know there's nothing there's nothing at this point let's be clear there's nothing at this point that's saying that the teachers are definitely going to go on strike. Uh, we don't know that. Um, we know that they are working without a contract. We know that um, many, um, we've lost many teachers in the district. Uh, Ross, you probably know the full number more than I do. <clears throat> um, um, but we got to find a way of doing this. Let me just chuck something real quick. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> yeah, but what we'll get there, we'll close that out. We'll close the show out with that for today. But what I wanted to get through first here is um, this new federal legislation that is being proposed by Representative Fitzpatrick. I'm sorry, Fitzgerald. Yeah, of course, just the same thing. Uh, Scott Fitzgerald of Wisconsin. Now this goes to um, thanks to Amy. Um, uh, for this, uh, Amy has been uh, uh, Amy has been sending me some things this week. Uh, great tips um, to pay attention to. Uh, I definitely would not have seen this if she had not sent this. There. And this is, you know, look, this is frequently what happens too, as well. You just get awesome, um, um, you know, people in the community. Um, and like Amy Connect is one of them, right? She's like, you know, tapped into a bunch of stuff. She's like, you know, sends me stuff that goes here. She's been on the show quite a bit. Um, it's all good. I'm getting off the track here. But anyways, anyways, anyways. So this is uh, legislation from uh, Scott Fitzgerald of Wisconsin. Now, I'm just going to, this is this is his press release, okay? So before we talk about what this means, just, let's just look at this. I've been looking for commentary from the uh, National Education Association, the NEA, um, or other reporting on it yet. Yeah, have not seen a whole lot about it yet, but we should be, flags should be going, you know, or fireworks should be going off. So here, this is the uh, uh, press release. Congressman Scott Fitzgerald uh, introduced the Student Act. The Student Act is the stopping teachers unions from damaging education needs today. So no holds barred going right after teachers unions. Right. So this act is to reform the National Education Association federal charter and rededicate the organization to the pursuit of increased student learning and quality education in schools across America. That's all just rhetoric. Right. The bill adds accountability and transparency provisions commonly found in other federal charters and to improve the NA federal charter. Right. To improve it. Right? Basically means they no longer make it a teacher's union. 
by take teachers out of uh, the ability to control that to be able to better be told what to do is really what that means so one notify the act includes notify employees of their first amendment right to refrain from membership right so first of all nobody has to join a teachers union right <clears throat> if you are a teacher and you're you you have you work under a contract right that is negotiated by a teachers union doesn't mean you have to join the union you don't right And they want to say, receive clear and affirmative consent to membership and payment of associated dues, right? That's already happens. If anybody's ever been part of a union, you know this, right? This is already, I mean, it's already clear that you don't have to join it. Yes. Are people, are, are people in the union going to ask you to become a member? Of course, <laughs> right? Because they want to keep, they want to build a union, right? They want more people included. It's a democratic organization, and union members believe that the more people that participate in that discussion and in the organization, the stronger that is. So, of course. Right? I mean, come on. It's like anything. That's just ridiculous. But so, okay, whatever. So they want to reinforce that. They want to put federal money behind letting everybody know. Even though federal law already leans heavily um, uh, for the employer at this point, right? Right? We know, we see it all the time, right? Anti-union activities happen nonstop, right? We already have an anti-union climate, right? In major sectors of this of this country. They just want to reinforce that, right? So they, say they want to prohibit the NEA from engaging in political activities and lobbying. So now let's be clear. So the NEA, National Education Association, right? Like any union, Right, they call association, but the actors union, right? They have two different separate. They have separate kind of organizations, right? And this is true in any organization, right? You have your union, your main organization, right, which is funded by members' dues, which is about making sure that your members are taken care of. You're updating your contracts, right? You're doing all this other kind of stuff, right? And then you have a staff, right? And sometimes your staff. Right. Say there's an issue that's coming up um, in the state legislature. Right. And that's going to have an impact on teaching. Well, you'd have staff members, right? Staff members who go up and they would testify and they would kind of talk to leg uh, legislators about why this is a bad thing for our schools. Right. They want to ban that. But that, that, that's what they're calling lobbying. The political activities, right, to say, well, you know, uh, supporting candidates and so on, that's a completely separate part of a union, which people give voluntary contributions to that. So, uh, for example, I'm part of a union, right? My union, by law, right, right my, 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 my union can't go out and support a particular candidate, right, by the union part. But they have a, they have a political action committee that can Right, that political action committee, right, doesn't come from my dues. That comes from money I give to that political action committee voluntarily because I want my interest and the interest of other faculty at state system of higher education and my I want those things to have some leverage. I want to support that. I want to support candidates who are going to, going to protect my job, right? my control over my job, 
the quality of higher education, all that stuff. The same thing is with NEA. NEA, they have a political wing, right? And they basically want to support candidates, want to support candidates that can support teachers. And look, the NEA, right, if anything, this has been, if you look here in the PSEA in Pennsylvania, right, You've heard me be critical of that organization on this show because they're giving too much money to Republicans, for example, <laughs> right? Like th- their support of the of 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 Fitzpatrick has driving me batty, right? But whatever, right? That's a that's a difference of opinion, right? In terms of what uh, what what is, I, I just have a different a, a different idea about what a union is and what a union should be doing, right? Am I right? I think so, but. I, they disagree, right? So we have a difference of opinion. We're all within a union community, though. Guess what? Everybody doesn't think exactly the same, right? Whatever. But they basically want to say, so, you know, so the NEA, right, or PSEA or PEA, right, or PSEA in the state will kind of support different candidates, right, that are, go- are going are gonna to do good by education. They want to eliminate their ability to do that, right? They want to require the NEA to submit annual reports to Congress. And I'm not quite sure... How this is different than the than the the reports that they already issue, which is weird. I think they just want another hoop, right? So they have to go to Congress. So Congress is the federal government is going to have direct say over what happens um, in an organization, right? Remember, the Republicans want to you know get the government out of your life. Well, guess what? This is them putting the government right in the center um, of between teachers and education. They want to they want to mess around at the federal level, right? With what's happening in your schools. So now I love this one. They want to put in, and this is really this is where you get to the, the rubber hits the road. The way that the press release says it is like prohibiting. Part of what they want to do in this act is prohibiting the NEA affiliates from harming students and families with school shuttering walkouts. In other words, they want to strip the right to strike from teachers unions, in particular the NEA. They want to strip away the right to strike. This really is going back to the Lochner era. This is part of a repeal of the 20th century. The labor movement fought for the right to strike. And again, what do strikes mean? How do they happen? Right. This is, you know, talk about, you know, I I hear all these complaints from 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 either from students or from people in the communities like, you know, kids that graduate high school, they don't know how to fill out a tax form. They don't know how to fill out a job application. Right. They don't know how to do. But you say, well, do they you know, do they know how to fill a voter registration? Well, that's not the business of schools. That's civics. Right. Get all upset when you don't know how to do your taxes. Y'all get all upset, you know. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, right? You don't want to fill a job application? Okay, we can have a discussion about whether that's a, a school's job or not. I'm not opposed to that, but okay. But where, where where's the labor education? Right? Where's the that civic education and our right to strike? Our civic education defending our rights? Our civic education about standing up collectively and making change? Where's that? 
where's where's the teaching about what a what the history of 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 unions in this country has about where the weekend came from for example where the eight-hour day came from for example it didn't come from kings it didn't come from billionaires it didn't come from like the the generosity of the rich no it came from hard-fought struggles by the labor movement by people by working people fighting for back why do teachers make a living wage now it's because they fought for that in the 1960s there were not teachers unions they fought to be unionized because the conditions were so bad and they cared about education This is an attempt to strip that away. Another thing, requiring NEA officers to be U.S. citizens. How about that? You can't be a head of an organization if you're not a citizen. Let's just say, for example, <clears throat> you have a teacher who's, you know, active union member gets married to another teacher right who's an active union member that one teacher the you know one of the teachers um is not a citizen no we could, let's say that they're that they, they they uh they came to school right kind of in the states they got their degree right they're here legally right they're here legally all that kind of there's nothing wrong with that they're here legally and so on <clears throat> right so all the paperwork's up to date, all that kind of stuff, they are disqualified now because they're not a U.S. citizen from serving on the NEA. What the hell does that have to do with them doing a good job of the NEA? Then those two teachers, say, for example, you know, they decide, hey, you know, we like each other. Let's get married. They get married, right? And so now that one person is eligible for a green card, right? So they put in their application. They're waiting for their green card. They get their green card. Now they have a green card. They have a green card, but they're still not eligible to serve the NEA. What the hell is that? And they want to get rid of a unique to NEA DC tax break. Now let's be clear. I, I want to. I'll, I'll have this one quote here, then I'll have a response to it. So this is uh, a quote from uh, Scott Fitzgerald. He says, "Quote: Since receiving its federal charter, the NEA has strayed far from its original purpose, becoming little more than a political machine masking as an advocate for public education and students. The organization's massive political operation seems more interested in pushing a radical progressive agenda than advocating for students in schools." Right. Hey, look, if you first of all, if you don't, want to, if you've been at all involved in the, in the union movement, the NEA is not known as like the radical edge of uh, of of the union movement. Just just want to say, I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. I'm just saying that's that's kind of funny coming at it from my perspective. But anyways, what they're doing here, right, is they're saying like, okay, they're saying they want to. It's it's little more than a political machine pretending to be basically masking as an advocate for public education to students as if these things are kind of somehow connected right we have a, a a political party the republican party whose political agenda is to completely transform public higher education by privatizing it and so on it is an overtly political act on the other hand you have an organization like the nea that is a teachers union that it's defending the kind of quality of, you know, the, you know, the wages and benefits and working conditions of teachers, right? As the saying goes, teachers' working conditions are students' learning conditions. 
right? Teachers are the experts on the education, so you want to have some protection there. So outside influences, for example, Republican Party politicians can't somehow threaten your job and prevent you doing something that you know is not in the best interest of kids. You have to be, have that kind of job security if you're going to do that job well. That's the whole idea, right? So when you advocate for public education, you're also advocating for teachers and their working conditions and students. Because if you have teachers who have poor working conditions or are paid like crap, that is going to affect the quality of education. Hands down. Shows it again and again. But what these people know is that teachers unions and some public sector unions right now in this country are the last bastions of working class power they want to destroy. These folks have gone after labor unions in the private sector for 50 years. Well, more than that. I mean, you know, originally they were just slaughtering workers who wanted to who wanted to who wanted better a better life history of the labor movement in this country is a bloody one workers had to fought people fought and died for things like the eight hour day for health insurance for having some say in their workplace For saying, you know what, we believe as the nat- nature of being workers in this space, whatever the space is, we should have some say over this. And, and let's remember, a union is never is not in a position to dictate anything, right? The union is there to reach a contract with the employer. There's already a power differential there. The only power the union has, when at the end of the day is the ability to say no. Is the ability to say, we will not accept these conditions and therefore we will not work. That's the heart of it. We could talk about persuasion. We could talk about the ways that, you know, good ideas and all that. All that is important. The best thing that should happen is that you have two sides that get together and we're working on a contract and they come down there to negotiate in good faith and there's a compromise that's reached in that contract. Yeah, that's that's how it happens. Right? Sometimes there's a little bit more kind of energy and support behind the teachers. Most of the time, it's behind the managers. That's where the power lies. Teachers, look, if you want to talk about who cares about the students the most, you're, you're talking about teachers. Yes, and I'm sure there's... I'm sure I can hear the voices out there right now about, well, I had a teacher once. Yes. Guess what? Because there's, there are people too. And not all people are good. I mean, look, Jordan Blomgren sits on the Penridge School Board. Horrible person. What she's doing to the Penridge School Board, awful. And she's a teacher. So, point proven. <laughs> right? Yes. It's just like people will say, like, ah, you know, you're never going to get rid of lazy people. You're right. But because you're never going to get rid of lazy people, does that mean that everybody else should suffer? Should be forced to work a chain gang? I mean, I don't know what the, what the point is with that stuff. It's like, what kind of world do people live in when they think about everything abstractly? Of course, 
there's going to be bad apples. Of course, there's going to be some people who disagree with it. I mean, look, as someone who's been involved in a union for a long time, I've had significant, serious arguments, disagreements, fights with people in my union. Why? Because we're human beings who disagree about something. Right? But, despite our disagreements, we believe that we are better off having those disagreements and having those discussions and working together ultimately to protect what we do. That's what a union is. And in spheres like mine in education, right? I'm in higher education. What we're seeing like locally here is obviously K through 12. Right? I, I, part of what we do, part of why we do what we do is because we care about students whether you're in K through 12, whether you're in higher education. Yes, I care about my research. Yes, I care about these ideas. But ultimately, what gets me into the classroom, why I chose, you know, I, I've told the story a thousand times. Like, I chose to come to a state university system. I had another job that was offered to me. I would have made more money. I would have had to teach, I would have teach fewer classes, smaller classes. But I chose to come here for three reasons. Number one, I was going to be teaching kids that reminded me a lot of the people that I grew up with. Right? I want to give back. Right? I could have taught at George Washington University. I could have been there teaching like ambassadors, kids, and all that other kind of stuff. Right? To having two classes, small classes. I could have been doing that. I had great friends there. I loved it there. But no, it's not how I want to dedicate my career. I want to teach with it. Number two, I'd also worked as an adjunct before at George Washington University and at uh, George Mason University, right? And I got a real good taste of contingency and abuse of part-time faculty. And I saw the degradation of what was happening in higher education firsthand. And I was part of a group of other people who were also involved that helped try to organize a union for part-time faculty. And so state system for higher education had a union. So I said, that's important. If I want to protect what I do, I want to be part, I want to have, I want to be someplace where I have the protection of an organization that is working to defend my rights, that I'm not just going to be left out there on my own hanging, because I've seen what that does elsewhere. You know, and the third reason is just, is just a little more simple, just kind of, I, you know, I, I thought we were in a position to do really cool stuff there. I was with a lot of other, when I interviewed and stuff, I, I, everyone I talked to talked about students. They talked about wanting to do good by students. That was the ethos. You know, that shifted a little bit now because even though everyone puts a big student, like student focus on things, you just, the push is just like, Publish, 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 publish. Research, research, research. Publish, publish, publish. <clears throat> and not what actually happens in the classroom. But that's, that's a different story. <clears throat> so that's that's it. We care. Every time I talk to a teacher and I hear them talk about my kid or other kids or what they're doing, it's just amazing, right? I mean, it's always reminded how important it is. And this guy, 
at the federal level, you know, again, this, you know, Scott Fitzgerald, he's a throwaway, right? Throw the name away, doesn't matter. It's part of this, this kind of like this section of the Republican Party that is doing this. Or conservatives. They, like, frankly, there's some Democrats out there who would like, you know, they might not stand out front and support this kind of stuff, but they, behind the scenes, they might be sitting there like, well, I don't care, teacher, you know, unions, unions, blah, blah, blah. Right? Hmm. So that's it. The other thing I wanted to pair this with, again, this is also thanks to Amy Connect. <clears throat> she just sent this to me, and I was like, immediately like, oh, really? So there is a. Uh, Oh, don't tell me. Oh, I thought I was going to get locked out of it for a second. I was like, oh, how about there? <clears throat> so this is just the kind of thing there. I just, I, it just makes you just want to like, it makes you angry and want to give up at the same time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So here's, here's the thing. Okay. So, um, there's an organization that is called the Freedom Foundation. Okay, now the Freedom Foundation is, you know, they're a think tank, right? Um, but they are, you know, a right wing think tank, right? They are an anti union organization, right? They're, you know, individual liberty, free enterprise, limited government, you know, the classic, classic thing, right? They sue a lot of people. They go after unions. That's what they do. They've got offices in Cincinnati, Ohio, Kennett Square, PA, Orange, California, Salem, Oregon, Olympia, Washington. Right? They are a 501c3 nonprofit. Which means all those rich people that donate to this organization get tax breaks. Ah, it's funny. It's almost as if they were a political organization that was attempting to destroy teachers' unions on behalf of the Republican Party. Huh, that's interesting. And boy, I'm looking at a picture of them, the beat the team look, and boy, are they white. <laughs> Good gender uh, distribution. Have to give that, right? A lot of women in there, but boy, are they white. Yeah. Okay. So this Freedom Foundation, again, they've been around for a while. There's an anti-union kind of, uh, you know, quasi-dark money group, right? Um I'll just do it. So they're having their first annual Teacher Freedom Summit. Right? Again, this is the announcement. This is July 20th. This was announced yesterday. And it's, you know, think what I just said about Scott Fitzgerald, right? They have a, a little article on here, too, as well, that applauds uh, Fitzgerald's proposal to uh, uh, destroy the NEA. Right? And we're ahead of school boards meetings we're ramping up all the kind of like you know culture war stuff at the school board level we've got moms for liberty doing the grassroots work here and we've got a presidential election that is coming up in 2024 and this is the context in which these people introduce their stuff okay so 
uh, I'll read you a little bit from their announcement. America's public school system has a teacher's union problem. Again, not hiding it. As reading and math scores hit their lowest level in decades, right? Don't worry about the pandemic. Major teachers unions like the NEA, here you go, and the American Federation of Teachers continue to ignore the interests of teachers, instead spending the majority of dues revenue on radical left-wing political agenda. Okay. Fully 81% of teachers believe the, the politicization of the classroom materials is a significant problem in the United States. Nonetheless, the NEA has doubled down its disturbing education, providing teachers with guides encouraging transgender youth pronouns and white supremacy culture resources. Right? And it goes on. So the crazy thing is, right, is that I don't necessarily... I, I, I could see where 81% of the teachers believe the politicization of the classroom materials is a problem. However, <clears throat> as we've seen in the Penridge School District, the politicization of the classroom materials means that the Christian nationalists are pushing their agenda in our classrooms. Right? There's a great use of numbers here. Let's, let's go out and let's pull out these numbers so we can use it, okay? So this conference kicks off, and let me just let's go through um, kind of a little bit where it was. Where was where was this thing held? Why am I not seeing? It was Colorado, I want to say, but okay. So this conference, yeah, Colorado, Denver, Colorado. This conference brought together 191 public school teachers from 26 states from Denver uh, to Denver, Colorado. On Monday, the conference kicked off with a welcome reception and dinner, featuring a virtual appearance from former Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos who gave teachers a word of encouragement despite the, stat, the state of public education. Betsy DeVos, longtime privatizer of education, wants public funds to go to religious schools, right? That's who leads it off. Then there's Oklahoma State Superintendent Ryan Walters, his keynote speaker, followed giving attendees hope for public education reform by using his own state as example where they decimated public education. On Tuesday, <coughs> Mark Janis, the plaintiff in the uh, 2018 Supreme Court case Janus versus Asme kicked the full day off a full day session with a word of encouragement based on his own experience fighting public sector unions in the Supreme Court. That was the case. The Janus case is basically stripped away, right? Unions' ability, right, to get back some of the uh, 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 the labor that they've expended in defensive contracts. Right. We've already said, right, you do not have to be belong to a to a union. Right. You do not have to have be a member of a union if, if your workplace is covered by a union contract. Right. However, unions, public sector unions. Were also would cover what's called like, say, your fair share dues. Right. Or an agency fee, they would call it. And the idea is that, look, if you if so let's say you hate the union. Right. You hate your union or you hate the union. Right. But you're the manager of wherever you work. The manager did something that is violating your rights under the contract. Right. If you tell the union that or if one of your like fellow co-workers who happens to be a member of the union lets the union know about that, the union will come to your aid. Even if you sit there the whole time saying, I hate the union, I hate the union, I hate the union, they're still obligated under law to defend your rights under that contract because you're working under that contract. All Janice did was basically saying, 
oh, you can be a freeloader. Right? Because, because look, because Janice, oh, well, these are political ideas that are different. Oh, hey. No, you can be a freeloader. That means you can get all the benefits of the contract. All the, because if you are an anti-union worker in a unionized shop, you are not a member of the union. Guess what? You still get their benefits. You still get the pay hikes. You still get all the defenses, the workplace protections, all that, that the union worked for. You get to benefit from their work, but you don't have to do anything to, to, to pay for it, to help offset the cost of doing that. Right? All that Janice did is say, guess what? You could be a freeloader. You don't have to pay that fair share. You don't have to pay that agency fee. You don't have to pay anything, but you get all the benefits. It's a slick move, right? Slick move because what that does then is that decreases the, the resources available to the uh, for, for the union to do its work. It puts more of a strain, right? And guess who? Guess who? Concluded. The this conference. Oh, I should say. Well, I'll, let me just read through everything. So here, then the Hoover Institute fellow, right wing think tank, Hoover Two Institute fellow uh, Michael Hartney provided an analysis of union spending, while Corey DeAngelis uh, gave teachers insight into the benefits of school choice. Uh, several members of the Freedom Foundation gave gave educators uh, Freedom Foundation educators resources for community engagement, legal resource. Again, all the training. This is where these people are training these kind of anti-union people how to do this stuff. But the day concluded with a word from Florida Commissioner Education Manny Diaz Jr. Right? Right? And then as the summit concluded on Wednesday, attendees heard from a panel of policy experts on how to stand up to against woke left-wing material that continues to infiltrate the American classroom. Throughout the event, each speaker allotted time for a question and answer session, allowing teachers to engage directly with education experts, blah, blah, blah. So let's do it. Like, I mean, we talked about this way back, right? I mean, we talked about there was, there, there's, there's another, there's this Freedom Foundation and there's another conference that is happening. I can't remember where. Um, where they're recruiting teachers to get there and to train anti-union folks how to destroy their unions, right? We saw, for example, in Souderton School District here, right? There was an organization, I, I'm just I'm spacing the name of it right now, but that was, was like Souderton Teachers for Love or something like this, I don't know. Um, but it was an anti-union organization. This is one of the strategies of the right. Right. What they want you to do is they want you to form a counter organization. This is a, like a strategy. It's called a strategy of decertification. Right. You want to find a, a counter organization. Right. That claims to be supporting teachers, that claims to be about local control, that claims to be. And you use all this language and rhetoric about freedom and liberty and teachers control and teachers choice and stuff like that. But the ultimate agenda is to decertify the union. And at some point, you, you kind of like you basically claim that the union no, rep, no longer represents the majority of teachers there and you file for a decertification vote. And if one, if the union has not been doing, uh, if union members have not been doing a good job of organizing and, and being a proactive union, right, where, you know, people and teachers don't necessarily feel connected to their union, 
right, aren't part of their union, don't see the union as them, but they see the union as these kind of bureaucrats someplace, then guess what? They're not going to be organized to respond to this. They're going to be disengaged, most like most of the voters in this country. And then you could potentially decertify that union and claim that this other organization, which is funded by right-wing think tanks, quote-unquote, supports the teachers. Right? That's the undermine from within. Right? And then you have this stuff, which is going after you see you have federal legislation that's happening. It's happening at the state level, of course, uh, and it's happening at our school boards. And it's also happening by training teachers from within to be kind of like agents of anti-union activism. Like I said, there's bad apples in every bunch, right? And there's deeply anti-union teachers who are just ideologically driven because of their religious convictions or because they've been too far down the QAnon rabbit hole, whatever it might be. And they will ultimately be the ones that organizations like the Freedom Foundation will use to accomplish their agendas and destroy public education in this country. So. There you have it, everybody. There you have it. There you have it. Do I have anything else today? <clears throat> oh, yeah. I want to talk about the Penridge situation. So, okay. So the Penridge contract. Let's go. Let's go to there. So the um, the Penridge contract is uh, the teachers still do not have a contract. Hold on. I went to the wrong thing. Okay. <clears throat> so <clears throat> what I think we need to be doing right now is we need to get behind our teachers. Right. We need to know. I mean, look, I look, there's been members of the community. I mean, Ross, uh, who's on the show today or who's listening on the show today. I know a lot of folks that kind of tuned into our show um, that I've been at different events with and stuff. You're already doing incredible work. Right. But I'm thinking so one of the things that we can do, let me put it like that, like that's even for those folks who aren't out there knocking doors, who aren't out there, been doing the organizing already. um, But it's a simple act of the community that people can do is that we can kind of support the teachers um, by start writing to the school board, right? Um, and I understand that this is, uh, you know, writing to the school board. You know, people said, well, that school board, look, this is about community pressure, community, and showing where the community stands in relationship with our teachers, right? Every bit helps, <clears throat> right? Um, you can write an email, Right, directly to the um, Penridge School District School Board by PSD. Here, I'm just actually going to put this in the chat on here. <clears throat> right, the email address for the uh, Penridge uh, School District School Board is PS, PSD, Penridge School District, PSD School Board, all one word. P-S-D-S-C-H-O-O-L-B-O-A-R-D. P-S-D school board, all one word, at penridge.org. All right? And again, this is from talking phones. What do we need to do? We need to put out some emails, folks. And first of all, let's, let's run through some stuff. Like, here's the kind of thing that we need to be reminding the school board of to make sure that these teachers get a decent contract. Number one, the Penridge professional staff, they're the lowest paid in Bucks County. Lowest paid in Bucks County. 
We're just watching people leave the district. And if we want our kids and our community to have a decent school, right, we have to rectify that. Otherwise, they're going to get out of here as soon as as soon as they get a better paying job. Right. <clears throat> the future of the Penridge School District, right, it depends if you get a contract that's going to retain high-quality staff, right? That means you're not going to have turnover every single year. And one of the ways you ensure that people aren't getting a turnover a year is you pay them what they're worth. We have the Penridge School Board keeps on talking about how, like, we love our teachers. We love our... Well, <clears throat> put your money where your mouth is. Love only goes so far. Love is not, yes, it's important to show respect and love. Absolutely. Not that the school board does that. However, the way that you basically keep people in a place is that you pay them well and that their working conditions are decent. If our teachers don't have competitive pay, competitive benefits, and competitive working conditions with a school district that's literally 10 minutes away, well, guess what? Our students are going to suffer. Our student success and this school district, my kids, your kids, kids in our community, their success depends on being able to keep these high-quality teachers in the district. Let the school board know that. Teachers are lowest paid in, in, in Bucks County. We need to keep high-quality staff because it benefits our students. Put your money where your mouth is. Penridge has already lost, as I've already said, many professional staff to other school districts because of the lack of competitive pay. How do you keep consistency in your educa educational programs if you have a constant turnover? You need people with historical memory, right? Penridge Education Association contract, the teacher's contract, has already expired. Expired 21 days ago. And yet, the teachers, are they out there on strike now? No. Why? Because they, are, they want a contract. They want a contract. What does that mean for going into there? So... You want to contract before the new school year starts because you don't want to have any uncertainty going forward, right? You don't want to have to have people kind of still questioning what's going to happen. You don't want those conversations to be kind of like what dominates uh, things around the school. No, you want teachers, students, staff, board, superintendent, everything. You want everybody to be focused on education. But teachers are like, well, okay, look, our, our conditions have been so degraded. Our staff has been so eroded, not to mention the political context that is making things that much more difficult that that could like actually kind of cause problems you don't want that to be a distraction for education come the fall get that contract done before the fall right and i know what the school what what the teachers union what the pea is saying look they need the school board to meet regularly with pea negotiators and complete a solid, fair, and competitive contract. That has to be the top priority. You have to value your teachers and staff if you would care about your education. 
look, if we invest in strong Penridge schools, right, if we do this as a community, it's going to yield improvements in students' future, their quality of life, their economic success, college, all that stuff. You invest in the people that make that happen. Education is about people. It's about relationships. And you want teachers, you want the most high-quality teachers out there. The way that you do that is you make sure that they got a good contract. Like I said, Penridge staff, Penridge teachers and staff are the lowest paid in Bucks County. Now look, <clears throat> what I'm going to suggest to people in the sound of my voice here <clears throat> is that this is a, an opportunity just to kind of like separate some things out a little bit. Okay. You know as well as I do that the nonsense that is happening in the school boards, this ideological warfare, this cultural nonsense, the attack on LGBT students, right across the board, you know what I'm talking about, the hiring of Vermillion outside contract, you know all of that is about an ideological agenda to destroy public education, right? Insert this kind of Christian nationalist type agenda that's going on here, right? But I also know that the vast majority of people that I've talked to said, look, we want our school boards to be boring again, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? We want our school boards to be boring again. So there's two things that got to happen, right? The first is the political thing. The political thing is that we got to get rid of this school board, right? And that's been all the work that's happening in our community is going out there and kind of like door knocking for kind of like uh, 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 for candidates that are going to turn things around, raising money for people who are going to turn things around, right? Showing up and voting for the school board candidates who are going to turn things around, getting rid of these ideological extremists from the school board. So that is taken off the table, right? 100%. That is the political agenda. Right? The political agenda is to get rid of those red wizards of Thay and their minions. Right? The teacher's contract, yes, it's connected to that. But the message we should be sending, I believe, is just one about support for our teachers. Because look, when this is all done, when we get this job done to getting rid of these extremists on our school board, we want our teachers to be in the best possible situation. Right? We, want, we don't want them to have to kind of get caught up in all this. We want our teachers and our schools to be as solid as possible. And the best way we can do that is to make sure that they've got a good contract. That's why this, these kind of, this, kind of, this kind of like email to the school board saying, look, they're the lowest paid in Bucks County. The future of like the entire school system, but most importantly, the, our current students and future students is going to be dependent on high quality teachers and having a consistency in the curriculum. Having people with an investment in the community. Teachers' conditions are students' learning conditions. If you degrade the teachers, if you degrade the staff, you degrade education, you degrade the students. Investing in those teachers, investing in the staff is going to yield improvements in, in students' lives. Right? Their quality of life, their economic success, the whole thing. So we could do two things at once here, right? We don't need to make our support of the teachers to be about the ideological warfare, right? It could be, it could be really focused. We need these teachers there, 
these teachers we need to support. And at the same time, we're going to go knock on doors. We're going to raise money. We're going to support those candidates and we're going to vote. Come the fall. Right? I just, uh, I just think that, you know, we, so, you know, I mentioned this last week, right? There's the, um, the uh, Penridge Community Alliance, right? So Penridge Community Alliance is basically the, the list of candidates that are, are running for school board that I'm going to support, that people probably listening to this thing support, um, but are going to turn the school district around, right? <clears throat> so look, head on over to their Facebook page. You want to check out who they are, right? Um, Penridge Community Alliance. Just look up, go facebook.com slash Penridge Community Alliance, Right? If you have questions about these uh, about these school board candidates, you can go there. The candidates are Carolyn Ciarino, Leah Foster Rash, Chris Kaufman, Bradley Merkel Gump, and Ron Wirtz. Right, those are the five that we need on the board to turn the tide, to get rid of this ideological warfare that is happening at our school boards, right? So that our teachers can do what you want to do. But this. Make no bones about it. This is a two-front war. We need to basically be saying we need to be supporting our teachers to ensure that they have a good contract, and that's where you can help out, right? Help out right now. Again, I'll, I'll give you that here. It's PSD School Board. That's PSD, like Penridge School District. PSD School Board at Penridge.org, right? Shoot them off an email and let them know who are you in the community, right? What you know? What's your investment in this? Are you, do you have kids in the school district, right? Do you live in the area? Are you someone that cares about public education, right? Let's get behind these folks. Penridge professional staff are the lowest paid in Bucks County. Let them know. Look, we know. We need, what, what, what's the message here? This is why I care. We need to make sure that we continue to have high quality staff, high quality teachers in our school district. How do we do that? We make sure that they have competitive pay, benefits, and working conditions. And to get them a contract before the school board or before the school year begins. And then we could say, like, why does this matter? Why, you know, maybe they do have high quality. No, no. Penridge staff, Penridge teachers are paid the lowest in Bucks County. So we're losing teachers to other districts. In order to make sure that students succeed, we have to invest in our teachers. You invest in strong Penridge schools. You invest in strong teachers. You keep the consistency of the curriculum, and that's going to pay off hundredsfold in our students' future. Right? There's your goal. So use that as you will. Right? But please, if you get a chance, write in support. Head on over to PSD School Board at... Uh, I'm not head on, head on over. Write an email to PSDSchoolBoard at Penridge.org and support our teachers. Make sure they get a contract before the beginning of the school year. Make sure they're getting um, competitive pay benefits and working conditions um, so that they can kind of invest in what they do best um, in the education of our of our community. All right, great. All right, everybody. Um, I think that's where we're going to call it today. Um, it may be a little weird on the way out because, again, um, my 
board got fried last night somehow. Um, and um, so I've had to kind of jury rig a couple things here to uh, make the show. And for some reason, despite the fact that it worked perfectly fine <laughs> before the show, I can't hear when the music is playing. So I'm just going to pretend that I know and I'm going to try to play it out and we'll see um, kind of what happens. Let me see if it goes here. Um, okay, so here we go. I'm going to pretend I know uh, that the music is going to play and here we go. Okay, everybody, this is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken, and um, I want to thank you for joining me today. I want to remind you, you can help support this show by heading on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. You become a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you out there on the streets, and uh, let's get it going, guys. Let's get it going. All right, this is Kevin Mahoney. I'm out of here. See ya! I'll fly.